like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh, it's exciting. It's an exciting, exciting, exciting show. I'm really, I'm really excited, if you can't tell, for today's show. And I'm in a lot better mood today had something gone a little bit than I would have been had something gone a little bit different on a Sunday morning or Sunday, I guess you could classify it. Well, it is the afternoon. It is the afternoon. But with that being said, let's just go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Logan or is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the Facebook page. Like and follow the Facebook page. Check out a few blog posts while you're there as well. You can go and visit theloganblackmanshow.com and go under the blog section. Or if you want to check out the last three episodes of the podcast and you're too lazy to go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can just go to the website and go to the podcast section. It'll have links there as well. And while you're there and click those links, make sure, if you're not already, subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. Just go and check. If you think you are, but you're not, or you're not sure, just go and check. Subscribe. Give a five-star rating on both. You can leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. It could be about an individual episode. It could be about the show in general. It could be about the host. It could be about the subject matter we were talking about. Whatever. Just leave a rating. doesn't need to be a five-star rating. I would love it to be a five-star rating, but it doesn't need to. doesn't need to. It could be a one-star rating if you feel that badly about it. But you can leave a description down below on why it was that bad or was that good. Now, this weekend, again... Was or this show really was big in the factor of what happened on Sunday. So for those of you who don't know what happened this past weekend, you probably lived under a rock or don't care about sports. But if you don't care about sports, I don't know why you're listening to the show in the first place. Like my mom or grandparents or aunt or whatever. This weekend was Super Wild Card Weekend, and I love Tony Romo and Jim Nance. They pointed this out on the weekend, and they said it about five hundred times. But it's funny how they changed it to Super Super Wild Card Weekend. It's like a WWE style thing right here. Like, well, it was already pretty super. I don't think we needed to add the emphasis to it, but now we just add that extra emphasis. Now everybody wants to watch it even more than what they already did. Now, the thing on Sunday, we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll start off on Saturday. We'll start off on Saturday with what the, the games that went on on Saturday were some interesting, interesting games. I guess you could say some interesting ones. So the first game we had was uh, Seahawks 49ers. And the ending resulted in about what we were kind of expecting. The 49ers scored about 10 more points than what I thought. I think we said the score prediction was like 31-24 or 31-28, somewhere in there for the 49ers. They ended up scoring 41, and the Seahawks only scored 23. Now, what was surprising about this game was not what happened in the game, or per se, or how the game ended. It's more of what happened before the first, at the end of the first half. How many people, raise your hands if you're listening right now, thought the Seattle Seahawks would be leading this game at halftime. When the 49ers went up 10-0 early on in the game, early on in the first quarter, who would have thought the Seahawks would have stuck around in this game? Everybody would have probably been like, oh, yeah, the game's done. Thank you for coming out, Seattle. Thank you for coming out. I, think, I mean, the Seahawks have had a very nice season, and nobody expected them to be where they are anyways, let alone, like, being in the playoffs was crazy enough. Then they're beating the San Francisco 49ers, a team that, a lot of people considered to be the right, the Super Bowl favorites at this point in time with how elite they're playing on defense and how their offensive weapons are just clicking on all cylinders right now. Like, no one was expecting the Seattle Seahawks, again, a team that was not even supposed to be above 500, a team that was the, really kind of supposed to pick in the top 10 in the NFL draft with their own pick, not the Denver Broncos pick, 
which is the reason why the Seattle Seahawks hold the fifth pick in the draft currently. That's obviously subject to change regarding trades and stuff like that. But this Seahawks team exceeded every single expectation met for them to this point. So everything past this, like once they made the playoffs, everything past that was a bonus. Because no one was expecting that. Like, I don't even think Seattle Seahawks fans can be upset that they lost this game. I mean, you could probably be upset. You're like, oh, man, we had the, the favorites on the ropes for a little bit. But you weren't expecting to win it. I, I, I can't find I, – I don't know how many diehard Seahawks fans out there actually, in their hearts, they might have said it out loud, but actually believed that they were going to beat the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday. But then once you get up, then you have that little bit of hope, and then when it gets ripped away from you because the 49ers defense turns it up another notch into, and Cheeto starts turning the ball over, like it's a fumble, then throws an interception, and then it just all goes downhill from there. And the Niners, like the Niners have done all season, capitalized off those turnovers. And in the first half, what was interesting about this, not just the Seahawks leading the game, it looked like Brock Purdy, you know, Iowa's former Iowa State quarterback, the greatest quarterback in Iowa State history, who has played fantastically for the San Francisco 49ers up until this point in the season, everybody on Twitter was like, oh, his insanity run's done, which is something that we brought up when he first started. Because you see this every once in a while where, like, a quarterback will come in, play well, and then it's just over like that. Kyle Allen's the one that I think of all the time. Like, when we were up at UNI, and we were doing the show up at UNI, Kyle Allen had an insane stretch where he looked like an actually good quarterback. And I have no real issue with Kyle Allen. He's friends with Josh Allen, so, I mean, I gotta like him to some extent. He t- he took snaps away from Kyler Murray when they were both at Texas A&M. Like, Kyle Allen, I really have no beef with him, but at the time, I was like, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna withhold. Kyle Allen wasn't that great in college. Like, he shouldn't have left early for the NFL draft as it was because he didn't get drafted out of Houston. He transferred A&M to Houston. He was the top quarterback in his class. Him and Kyler were like 1A and 1B in that class, both going to A&M, both split reps under Kevin Sumlin, and then both transferred the same offseason. Kyler Murray obviously going to Oklahoma. We know what Kyler Murray's done since then. Kyle Allen going to Houston did not have anywhere the same success as Kyler Murray did. But there was a run that Kyle Allen had when he was with the Carolina Panthers where it looked like he could possibly be an actual legit NFL starting quarterback. And I'm going to try and find that stretch. I don't remember what season it was. Not NFL.com. I like using ESPN for like game logs and stuff like that. Oh, he's on the Texans. I didn't even know he was still in the NFL. I kind of forgot about that. So what year would that have been? Would that have been this year? Would it have been 2019? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2019. So he came into the season against – he started 4-0. 4-0. Now, mind you, these are not the same teams (laughs) that are playing right now. These are different levels of these teams. You have the Cardinals, the Texans, Jaguars, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, these are not the teams that you know right now. Maybe the Texans are, but the Texans are probably the only team that's... (laughs) Maybe that was the Deshaun Watson team. I don't remember if he was even playing at that time. Did he play this game? He did play this game. Okay. Because you remember he tore his ACL his rookie year. Well, I guess 2019 would have been his second year in the NFL, so forget I said anything. But Kyle Allen went through these games... Went 4-0, threw for a decent amount of yards, had six touchdowns, or seven touchdowns, sorry, no interceptions, and then proceeded to get ass-blasted by the 49ers in week five, or his fifth start, I guess. It wasn't week five, but his fifth start, 51-13. to And he proceeded to throw for 158 yards and three interceptions, no touchdowns. But, like, people were hyping that up at the time. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but there were actually people that were thinking Kyle Allen was the truth or could have been a future starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers at the time. 
And he finished out that season, after starting off super hot, 17 touchdowns, 16 picks. And I don't even know what team he was on in 2020, if he was still on the Panthers or if he was on a different team. He was on Washington in the next offseason. And played decently throughout times there in Washington because, remember, uh, Alex Smith was hurt at the time. And Dwayne Haskins, RIP, was also there. So he played some while he was in Washington, but now he's in Houston. He's played two games this season. Or played. I guess the Texans aren't playing anymore. But he played two games this season. But that time in Carolina, that's one thing that I always remember. When people bring up Lynn Sandy runs in football, because obviously Jeremy Lynn, the, the founder of Lynn Sandy. Now, Jeremy Lynn, to be fair to Jeremy Lynn, Though that run was greater than his entire career, he still put forth a really solid career. He averaged over 10 points a game for the majority of his career. Like, he wasn't the same level of player that he was when he was scoring 38 on Kobe Bryant. No, he wasn't that. But he was still a good NBA player. So the word, like, Linsanity just, like, feels like, oh, this guy was good, and then he was absolutely nothing after. No, Jeremy Lin played well after that. He got a big-ass contract to go to Houston. So it, it worked out for Jeremy Lin in the end. Maybe not as... Maybe he's not the Hall of Famer that he probably thought he was at one time or wasn't the superstar that everybody... Well, you could even argue he is a superstar because everybody knows who he is. Like, the the definition of superstar isn't necessarily, like, you're great at your field, but everybody knows who you are. Like, you could sell at an event. Like, you're not going to... No one's going to go, like, oh, man, there's Jeremy Lin's move. But everybody knows who Jeremy Lin is. But Kyle Allen's always the guy I think. And it worked out because Kyle Allen was undrafted, brought Purdy last pick in the draft. But Brock Purdy in that second half... I don't know what happened, because they talked about this on the Manning cast last night. I don't watch the Manning cast, but I see highlights on Twitter every once in a while, which is kind of a, a thing that I do with the Manning cast. It's kind of my thing with Twitch. Now, a lot of people really, really like Twitch. They love watching Twitch. But I just don't find the joy in watching Twitch, because there's so much lull time in between things. I love watching like Twitch highlights, because that's a YouTube video. I don't want to watch the full three-hour stream, because there's going to be a lot of times where it's dead silent, and you're like, oh, this is kind of awkward. I get that with the Manning cast every once in a while, but they talked about this last night while the Bucks and Cowboys game was going. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. And they talked about making halftime adjustments. And no one really goes in the locker room and goes like, okay, here's what we're going to do the second half. Here's the adjustments we're going to make. They just eat oranges and just go back out there in the second half like, okay, we're ready to go. Like, I don't know if the 49ers really did anything. They know what they are. I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan went to the locker room and was like, guys, we know who we are. Let's just go out in the second half. And be better. I'm pretty confident that's all he said at halftime. Kyle Shanahan doesn't really strike me as a rah-rah type guy. So I kind of think that's what Kyle Shanahan would do. If Purdy came out in the second half, looked awesome. And Brandon Ayuk, I love Brandon Ayuk. He's one of the better receivers in the NFL. Thousand-yard seasons this year. Congratulations to Brandon Ayuk on that. He, he, he screwed up Brock Purdy's potential rookie of the year highlight tape. Purdy made a great play, rolled out to the left, reversed back to the right, threw a beautiful, made a defender missed on a back juke, threw it towards the back pylon, and Brandon Ayuk, both feet inbound, Santonio Holmes-esque, not as, like, horizontal as Santonio Holmes was, but still-esque like that, and then dropped the ball. Had the ball in his hands and everything, but Purdy played really well in the second half, 332 yards passing, three touchdowns, also put up 16 yards rushing and a touchdown there as well. Four total touchdowns in your first playoff appearance, it's pretty damn special. It's pretty, pretty damn impressive. You know, we'll give a round of applause Brock Purdy. Now, that being said, I have seen this on Twitter a thousand times, and I heard it in the broadcast. I don't remember who was the broadcast team for that game, but it was on Fox. Purdy threw a ball to, I think, Brandon. It was either to Brandon Ayuk or Juwan Jennings. I can't remember which one it was, but it was a ball down the left sideline. And if, you, if you've watched the game, you might know what I'm talking about. 
Jennings burnt his defender, and there was a safety coming over the top, and Purdy threw the ball and kind of led Jennings or Ayuk, again, I can't remember who it was, right into the path of the safety. And I saw it on Twitter, and I saw it in the broadcast, or heard it in the broadcast, talking about how great this throw was. It was a bad throw. He got really lucky because not only did he almost throw an interception, he almost got his receiver's head taken off. It was not a very, it was a really bad throw. Very bad throw. But, you know, it's kind of the the thing we're doing right now. Everybody's loving what Brock Purdy's doing. Everybody was like, oh, he wasn't supposed to play this year. Brock Purdy, let alone not even supposed to play, wasn't he supposed to be drafted? And now he's the first rookie. He's making his playoff debut. He's done this insane number of things with the 49ers this season. I did. I think I took a screenshot of it, but they were comparing his numbers to like Joe Montana and like Steve Young and all these legendary quarterbacks. And then, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's in there too. But it was some number, like your first however many starts or playoff starts or something like that. It was ridiculous. But I, there's some things like narratives can get kind of out of hand. Like I'm loving that Brock Purdy's balling out this year. As a Hawkeye fan, he never did anything to me, so I really have no beef against the guy. And he's getting George Kittle involved, which is something Jeremy Garoppolo wasn't really doing. Now, Kittle didn't have an insane game this past game. Only had 37 yards receiving, only had two catches in the game on two targets. So he didn't really do a whole lot. But Kittle doesn't need to do that. But it was nice to see him score all these touchdowns, though it did end up hurting me in fantasy. But having Debo Samuel back was massive. 74-yard touchdown for Debo Samuel. Great block by Brandon Ayuk up the field as well. Like, Debo Samuel being back is one of the reasons that a lot of people outside of, like, their defense view this team as a Super Bowl contender. Like, this team, you look at their top three weapons on their roster. And no offense to Brandon Ayuk, but he's probably number four. In no particular order, it's McCaffrey, Samuel, Kittle. I'm pretty sure, now you can fact check me on this because I'm not 100% sure, that all three of those guys lead their positions in yards after catch. The 49ers last season... Led the NFL in yards after catch. Like, this team, I don't know what it is, because Debo Samuel, for how gifted he he's not like a blazer. He's not a blazer. He's a big dude. For a wide receiver that moves around as much as he is, Debo Samuel is a big dude. Six foot, 215? Like, Stephon Diggs is six foot, probably 170. He's got 50 pounds on him, essentially. Like, Debo Samuel is a big guy, which is... Why he's named after Debo? Now he's not necessarily the tallest person. He's as big as me. He's as big as me. I'm six. I weighed myself this morning. I'm six foot about two sixteen. He's as big as me. I mean, I mean, it's a little bit, a uh, little bit more muscle packed on in there. But uh, yeah, Debo, great play. Really nice to see him back. I love watching Debo Samuel play. I love watching Christian McCaffrey play, and I'm excited. What makes me happy about Christian McCaffrey most of all is that he's reminding people that he's him. In regards to the running back rankings in the NFL, I talk to my friends about this all the time. A healthy Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL. Because there's no one else in the NFL can do everything as good as he can. Like, people forget the last time he was 100% healthy, he had 1,300 rushing yards and almost 1,100 receiving yards, or over 1,100 receiving yards. Last time he played 16 games. This year, he trained, like, the 49ers offense, once McCaffrey got implemented into it, went supernova. They were scoring at freaking will. You have McCaffrey, Kittle, Samuel's now back and healthy. Ayuk's really talented. Juan Jennings had a very solid season this year. And Elijah Mitchell's coming back to spare Chris McCaffrey every once in a while. Like, McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL. He's the best running back in the NFL. And I know a lot of people love themselves from Derrick Henry. They love Nick Chubb. Josh Jacobs has had a real claim in this this year. J- Jonathan Taylor, I think he's definitely up there. He just had a terrible ass offensive line and couldn't really get anything going for him. 
Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, like there's great running backs throughout the NFL. But McCaffrey is the best one in my opinion. And watching that Iowa-Stanford game back and seeing what he's doing now, the less bad I feel about that game. So like people used to weaponize that game as like a thing to get to Iowa fans. If you're an Iowa fan that feels bad about that game, don't. Because Chris McCaffrey's doing it to people that are paid. Well, I guess you're <laughs> legally getting paid millions of dollars now in college, but he's getting paid professionally. Like these are guys are paid professionals who have families and stuff, like kids and everything. Like, and he's torching them. And McCaffrey's special. McCaffrey's special. And that offense in the second half completely obliterated. Completely Jeez. Completely obliterated <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks. And it was funny. Because I was talking to my friend Kevin, who's been, who's been on the show before. I was talking to him. I was texting him throughout the game. And one thing hit super, like, like you know the old saying, karma's a bitch? Oh, man, I've never seen karma hit back as fast as this did. He texted me at halftime. And when it was 17-16 Seattle, he texted me and said, Niners D equals overrated. And then proceeded to pick off Gino and to make him fumble and they completely shut down everything they had going for him in the second half. Like it was just really funny timing how that all worked out. I mean DK had a really good touchdown in that game, the first touchdown he had. I believe I was I believe it was the first touchdown he had. But yeah, other than that, the Seahawks really couldn't get anything going. People are going to be asking what D, what Gino's future is. I think Gino this year, I mean we ranked him in the top 10 for the quarterback ranks that we had a couple weeks ago. I think we had him at number nine is what we had him at. And he's going to get an extension, regardless, whether that's a, like, what do they call that? Um, I'm completely blanking. What did Kirk Cousins get a thousand times? Um, The one-year thing. The team, what is it called? Why am I blanking so hard on it? Oh, no, I cannot think right now. But he's going to get some sort of extension, regardless if it's a long-term thing or not. The Seahawks, in regards to the quarterback position in the draft, I don't think they'll draft one in the first round. If they did, they'd draft Anthony Richardson with like their second pick. But we'll we'll talk about Anthony Richardson a little bit more as the show goes on. But Geno Smith has earned the right this year. Because, again, no one expected the Seattle Seahawks to do anything this year. Not a single person expected the Seahawks to be where they were. So them leading the 49ers in the playoffs against a team, leading in the playoffs against the probable Super Bowl favorite at this point, that's impressive. That's impressive. So I, I'd give Geno at least, I, I don't know what he's going to get, but I'd give him a nice little contract, give him another opportunity to keep that job next year because he's older. He's not a young pup anymore. Like Geno Smith is 32 years old. And he'll be 33 by the time midseason rolls around next year. So it's you're going to have to get some sort of uh, – what do you call it, a stability plan or something like that or something in the wings in the wings, just to wait and get him ready until Gino either completely falls out of the place of the earth or decides to retire or something like that. Because, again, he's 32 turning 33. So we'll have to make a move on that, but congrats to the 49ers on winning that. The second game, second game, What this game was on crack, and I'm not surprised what happened today in regards to the outcome of this game. So – the final score of this game was 31-30, Jaguars. Simple enough, right? Simple enough. No, uh, this game, the Chargers were up 27 points. This is the third biggest playoff comeback of all time behind the Colts versus Chiefs in 2013 and the Bills-Oilers in the 90s. 
27 points. And not only that, it was 27 points with Trevor Lawrence throwing four interceptions in the first half. Nathan Peterman-esque. Four interceptions in the first half. Three in the first quarter. And the thing about it was, yes, the first one was tipped, but the, the final three were all route jumps. Or at least the, fi- the second two, or the second... The second and third interceptions were ones where he looked at the receiver and got jumped. Asante Samuel, did he have three interceptions in this game or two? He had three interceptions or two? Where's the where's the interception thing? Yeah, he had three interceptions and Drew Tranquil had the other one. But, yeah, they were just reading it like a freaking book. I don't know what it was. Trevor Lawrence just looked so off. I don't know what it was. It was like first half jitters or like first playoff game jitters or something. I don't know what it was. He looked bad. In that first half. Like, really bad. And I saw people on Twitter, like, not anything. It was actually remotely positive towards Trevor Lawrence. Because it's one of those things where you can't play much worse. So, you might as well go out and play. You can't play worse. Might as well go guns blazing in the second half. And I saw people comparing him to, like, Aaron Rodgers. Because Rodgers threw four interceptions in the playoffs in 2009. I think is what the screen. I think what someone said on Twitter. And they ended up winning the game. So... I was like, oh, yeah, but Rodgers wasn't losing by 27 points. Yes, they scored before halftime, but 27 points, that's a lot. That's a lot. Now, scoring before halftime did have, I'm sure, did help with momentum. But that's like, like what we talked about earlier with Peyton Manning talking about halftime adjustments. I don't think they even said anything at halftime. I don't think Doug Peterson went in screaming his head off about how bad you guys are playing or how terrible this team is or how you are embarrassing yourselves. No, I think it was very calm, collective. It was like, well... Shit, can't play worse. Go back out there and do it. They scored 27 points on you. Why can't you score 27 points back? It's one of those mindsets. And the Jaguars went out there in the second half and just completely shut the Chargers out. And this is one of those things that is kind of frustrating in today's NFL with how dominant like the aerial attack is in regards to how each team is trying to build their offenses. And this is kind of a detriment to like Allen and Herbert and Mahomes and players like that, where these offensive coordinators have these insanely talented quarterbacks, but are just trying to hit home runs every single time. Like the Chargers in the second half, I don't have the exact numbers. I'm pretty sure they threw it 25 times in the second half and ran it eight. You're up 27 to seven at halftime. You don't need to do anything fancy. You just need to run out the clock. And the problem is, is they got Austin Eckler. You don't have some bum-ass running back in the backfield. No, 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 no. You have Austin Eckler, one of the top running backs in the NFL, who rarely, he fumbled a few weeks ago, rarely fumbles. So this is one of those situations where you got to try and not outsmart yourself and not try to go for the kill shot and go like, oh, we're going to keep piling it on them. We're going to make the lead bigger. We're going to embarrass them in front of their home fans. And that's exactly why Lombardi got fired. They just fired Lombardi today and their quarterback's coach. That's idiotic. Now, do I think Brandon Staley should have kept his job? I'm not sure, because Brandon Staley has had these weird moments throughout his entire time as the Chargers head coach where, like, they're going for it at weird-ass times. And, like, yes, the offensive coordinator has some say in that, but the head coach is making the call whether you're going for it or not. The head coach is final say in everything. So Brandon Staley does have a lot of responsibility for how this offense was run in the second half of this game. Like, Brandon Staley, for being a defensive-minded head coach, is one of the most aggressive head coaches in the NFL in regards to where he hates special teams. 
So you saw games last year where they're going for it and fourth and five from their own 25-yard line. It's like things like that. It's like, dude, stop being so aggressive. Like, there's times to be aggressive and there's times not to be, and that's the time not to be. I understand you don't like special teams, but come on, dude. Let's settle down a little bit. And Joe Lombardi, his offense has been anemic for how – I remember seeing a a tweet when the Chargers and Dolphins played. It was Mike McDaniel runs an offense like his quarterback's Justin Herbert. Joe Lombardi runs an offense like his quarterback's Tua. And that's no diss at Tua, but that's just how different their styles are and how much – how stupid the Chargers offense is. Like, this Chargers offense has no reason to be like this. The Chargers have too many weapons on here. The Chargers have, I think, five receivers over 500 yards this year, maybe six. Like, if they could stay healthy, this team should not even be scaring this. How this happened, I don't know. But this is exactly what we talked about a few weeks ago with the Bills-Vikings game. Exact same thing we talked about with the Bills-Oilers game. When you run an air raid offense or the run-and-shoot offense, there's no off switch. So the problem is... You're allowing the other team to creep their way back because you keep stopping the clock because you're not completing a high percentage of passes because you're trying to hit home runs every freaking play. Like, the Chargers should not have lost this game. Regardless if they allowed 20, a 27 point, blew a 27-point lead or not, they should have beat the Jaguars regardless. The Chargers are a better team than the Jaguars. Player for player, the Chargers should not have lost the Jaguars. But the Jaguars just kept chipping away. They didn't force anything. They took what the Chargers defense gave them in the second half. Not necessarily in the first half. But they just creeped their way back into the game. And all these players that we made fun of in the offseason about all these players that they signed. Like their top three receivers are players they signed this offseason. Evan Ingram had 93 yards in this game and a touchdown. Christian Kirk had 78 yards and a touchdown. Zay Jones had 74 yards and a touchdown. Like these are players that got made fun of this offseason. For getting these monster contracts. Do I think these players are worth those contracts? No, 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 no. But they are important to what the Jacksonville Jaguars have done. And they're getting Calvin Ridley next year. Remember, Calvin Ridley has served his 17-game suspension. So technically, he could play in the playoffs. He served his 17-game suspension for the NFL for betting $1,500 on an NFL-sponsored app. Which is, again, stupid. But, you know, that's how the NFL works. NFL is the definition of consistency. But yeah, the Chargers should not have lost this game. Regardless, again, if they were up 27 points or not, they should not have lost the Jaguars. The Chargers are a better team than the Jaguars. I thought that going in, but the Jaguars came out on top. Jaguars played really, really well in the second half. And I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with Staley. It doesn't sound like the Chargers are really looking for a replacement for Brandon Staley. A lot of people are wanting them to go after Sean Payton, who's a free agent, but they're also going to have to give their first-round draft pick, which is the 21st pick currently, to the Saints. So, I don't know. I don't know who's going to get that for Sean Payton, but the players seem like they want to stick with Brandon Staley. They fired the OC. We'll see if their offense gets better next year. They're talking about bringing Frank Reich in as an OC. We'll see if that one goes. If Frank Reich doesn't get a head coaching job, which I think he's going to go to Carolina. I'm pretty confident in saying that one. He's a former player. I think the Panthers want to keep that one in-house. And he's a quarterback's coach. The Panthers are going to draft a quarterback this year. So, we'll see how that one goes. But, yeah, that one was ridiculous. Chargers losing that game was ridiculous. And the Pan- the Jaguars almost missed that game-winning field goal, too. We could be having a completely different discussion right now than if the Jaguars kicker missed that field goal. Because that thing was damn near wide right. That was very close to missing that. But then we moved to Sunday. 
And this is what we talked about before. Bills, Bills, Titans, Bills, Dolphins. Sorry, I have a button on my shirt. Came undone, and now I need to fix it. I cannot do the rest of the show without the button being in the freaking shirt. Come on. Can we get it? Button Gate 2023. Come on. I rubbed it. I, I spilled water on my chair, so I was wiping it off, wiping off the, the arm of the chair. Okay, there we go. We're good to go. Bills, Dolphins. I said going into this game, I'm nervous. I'm not overly confident. I wanted the Bills to dominate this game because on paper and in the odds, the Dolphins were the Bills were a 13 and a half point favorite. The Bills on every metric should dominate this game. But they're without Tua, without Teddy, they're without Mostert. They're they were possibly going to be without Taron Armstead. But they have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and there's no pressure on the Dolphins. Absolutely none. It's kind of a similar situation with the Seahawks were in San Francisco. Nobody's expecting you to win this game. Not a single soul is expecting Seattle to beat the San Francisco 49ers. Not anybody was expecting the Dolphins to beat the Bills on Sunday. And it's not even that the Dolphins... Like, people... I've seen this on Twitter all the time, which is kind of funny how the narrative flipped. But everybody's saying the Bills almost lost to a seventh-round draft pick. Or the Dolphins' third-string quarterback. Well, if you want to get technical, the Seahawks lost to the 49ers' third third quarterback, who was actually drafted after Skylar Thompson. And then the Bengals, they almost lost to the Ravens' backup, who hasn't played in, like, three weeks. And we'll get to that, why Tyler Huntley was a freaking... I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, no, they didn't almost lose to Tyler. Skylar Thompson didn't even play that well. He didn't play bad. I mean, his numbers are a lot worse than what he actually played, but 18 of 45, 220, a touchdown, two picks. And you're telling me that's the guy who almost beat the Bills? No, 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 no. Now... Jalen Waddle had a bunch of drops in this game. Tyreek Hill had a few drops in this game. But the Dolphins were in this game because the Bills were giving them short field every single freaking time. Dolphins were getting really long punt returns, getting really good position because of kick returns. They had a 50, Cedric Wilson had a 50-yard punt return in the game. And then Josh threw through two interceptions, which, again, Josh was having some, the Bills receivers dropping the ball all the time too. Like apart from Stephon Diggs, it's like every other pass was dropped. Cole Beasley, the second interception Josh Allen threw, hit off Cole Beasley's chest and bounced right into the waiting arms of a Dolphins defender. The set, the first interception, John Brown stopped running, and Xavier Howard had an easy interception, and he returned that back a decent amount of yards. Like, this was just a really, really weird game, and people are want to point out what Josh Allen sucked. Josh Allen did not suck by any metric. You look at some of these throws he made in this game, they're stupid. His throw to Stephon Diggs in the first half, stupid. His throw to Gabe Davis in the corner of the end zone, stupid. His touchdown throw to Dawson Knox in the end zone, stupid. His throw to Diggs that was ruled out of bounds when Diggs made the one-handed catch, stupid throw. Like, stupid in a good way. His throw to Gabe Davis when he ran a dig route across the middle of the field, stupid throw. And I'm saying, again, when I say stupid, it means I can't believe that actually happened because there's no other quarterback apart from the guy who wears 15 in Kansas City that's making that throw. And people want to start a narrative that Josh Allen played bad. Josh Allen did not play bad at all. Hell, he had four carries for 20 yards. How can you not laugh at that and go like, wow, this guy played awesome today? Stephon Diggs had 114 yards receiving. Gabe Davis had 113 yards receiving. Khalil Shakir should have caught a ball before halftime, which would have set the Bills up big, but they ended up punting on the play. Drop the ball at, like, the 15-yard line. Like, there were plays that Bills had where they could just put this game out of reach easily, but drops came into a play. And then the Dolphins were just marching around down the field, and they kept kicking field goals, kept making field goals. 
And then again, Ken Dorsey, this is what we, exactly what we just talked about with the Chargers and these teams trying to hit home runs every single freaking play. Like, there's so many times this year where I've watched a Bills game where their receiver's standing in the exact same spot. Why does that happen? Ken Dorsey is, I, I don't know. I don't want to say over his skis, but he's not, he's having a lot of problems for his first year as an office coordinator. And a lot of it's, the play calling is so weird, and the player selection, the player rotation is so weird. Like, the Bills would have a running back go off for a little bit, and then, oh, now we got to make our substitutions. And then we'll bring in James Cook and Naheem Hines at the same time, and he was neither one of them. And James Cook, again, outcarried Devin Singletary in this game. And they babied him into that role. They finally benched Isaiah McKenzie, who, for whatever reason, was the Bills' number one third-down option on Ken Dorsey's playbook, running all these crossing routes and out routes, and they played Shaquille Shakir in there. And Shakir, he made up for the drop. He had an insane catch later on in the game. I don't remember what quarter it was. I think it was the third quarter. Great catch there. No, it was the fourth quarter. It was the fourth quarter. But, man, this game was just frustrating. This game was just frustrating. And the Dolphins, how they don't get delay of game calls on every single play they ran, I don't understand that at all. Makes zero sense to me how that worked out for the Dolphins, how they got no calls. And then the refs tried to screw over Sean McDermott because he's calling these timeouts before plays but letting the play play it out. So, like, my dad threw his hat on the second one where Skylar Thompson tried to throw to Jalen Walden on the far sideline. Sean McDermott called timeout before the play because Matt Milano didn't know he was guarding. But the play shouldn't have happened. The ref didn't blow his whistle. Sean McDermott called timeout, and the ref blew, like, one whistle, and then that was it. So then that gets in people's heads, oh, well, that was incomplete pass. That was stupid. Came out by Sean McDermott. Well, we didn't know that was going to happen. It's not like he saw into the future. It's like, oh, I know Tremaine Edmonds going to stop Ahmed on a run on fourth down. Or I know that Skylar Thompson is going to overthrow Jalen Waddell. No, they don't know that. But if they ran out the play, then you'll see that happen. Then it adds to the frustration. Just playing hindsight. Like Sean McDermott, you go, oh, man, that sucked. Man, I wish I had that one back. But he didn't know that in advance. Like, Matt Milano's throwing his arms in the air like he doesn't know who he's guarding. So, yeah, you got to call a timeout. The ref shouldn't have allowed either one of those plays to go on. They w- one person would blow a whistle, and then the play would keep going, and then everybody gets all pissed off at Sean McDermott. And I made fun of my dad about that, too. He scared the crap out of our dog. But the player of the game in this game was uh, Kyrie Elam. Uh, uh, Dane Jackson left the game injured, and I've been calling for Kyrie Elam, and a lot of Bills fans have been calling for Kyrie Elam to start for the past however many weeks – First round draft, but this is another example of babying players into the starting lineup. Like Kyrie, you traded up to get Kyrie Elam. You traded up to get him. You didn't trade down. You didn't stay pat. You traded up to get Kyrie Elam. And Dane Jackson has been beat a few times this year. He played well early on in the season, but gradually has gotten worse as the season gone on. Left the game injured, and Kyrie Elam comes in and makes an insane interception. Played really well in that game. And now we're questioning on whether he's going to start this game. Everybody knows he should start, but Willie, he's beaten out Dane Jackson. I, this has been the thing for the past however many weeks. He's beaten out Dane Jackson, but for whatever reason, he wants to keep playing Dane Jackson. Like, they brought in Xavier Rhodes, who's been cooked for the past five years, and they brought him in and then made Kyrie Elliman inactive. Why? Why is Xavier Rhodes active? Xavier Rhodes was he's cooked his last year in Minnesota. Maybe his last two years in Minnesota. Then he went to India, was cooked there. Then you bring him in as a free agent, and he has a hamstring problem, so he's get put on the physically unable to perform list. And then you bring him in, and then you bench Kyrie Elam. 
It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me about Kyrie Elam's situation, but I could say that about every single Bills rookie this year. Shakir not being the number one slot guy all seasons pissed me off. Uh, James Cook not getting as many carries as he needs to. He leads the rookie running back class in yards per carry this year. Never gets really a look in until later in the season where we finally see, oh, wow, he's very talented. They should probably keep him in the game. But, man, this was a, a scary game, and I'm not too surprised that it was a scary game because the Dolphins came to play. Dolphins obviously were up for this game. Bills, I, they were up to it. I mean, this is the weirdest part about the Buffalo Bills this season. This was a bad game. They played bad, and they still managed to score 34 points. Like, I saw someone on Twitter say, <laughs> Ken Dorsey's offense is just a cluster. Like, you're like, what the hell is that? And then all of a sudden you look at the score, but he got 34 points. Somehow. Like, the quietest 34 points of the of the season. Like, I, like they were, the, what was it? They scored the second most points behind only the 49ers in the first playoff game this year. And I think the 49ers offense played a lot better than the Bills offense. The Bills scored seven less points than the Niners offense did. I think the Cowboys offense played better than what the Bills offense did. And they scored three more points than the Cowboys offense. So it's like, what What the hell is this offense? What the hell is this offense? Like, apart from Diggs, like, this offense, for weapon weapons-wise, for Josh Allen, kind of stinks. Gabe Davis has a catch that's insane every, like, 15 catches, and he'll drop one that hits him right in the freaking chest. I don't, like, playoff Gabe Davis is a completely different animal, and he's been living off that four-touchdown game against Kansas City, which rightfully so. Rightfully so. I was there for that game, one of the, the greatest performance I've ever seen live, was that game. Josh Allen, Mahomes, Gabe Davis, whatever. Insane game. Bills need to go out and invest in another wide receiver this offseason. Because Stephon Diggs is really the only option. And Gabe Davis shows up for the playoffs, but that's pretty much it. I don't think he's the number two option on the Bills. I don't think he should be the Bills' number two option. I think he's a fine wide receiver to have on the roster, but I don't think he's a number two option on this offense. Or he shouldn't be. Like, I think he can play. I think he's a decent wideout, but his inconsistency catching the ball is just insane. Absolutely insane. So the Bills need to go out and get a wide receiver this offseason. Don't know if it's free agent or draft or whatever. I see a lot of people think of wide receiver and safety with the first two picks in the draft, and I'd be perfectly okay with that. Especially with Jordan Poyer probably hitting the free agent market because I'm expecting them to sign Tremaine Edmonds. Because that's the big contract issue this offseason for the Bills. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but Poyer... When he's played this year, the Bills won 13 games. Bills are 13-0 when Poyer's played. So he's a big reason for how successful the Bills are. He's been ever-present ever since Sean McDermott's been the head coach of the Bills. He's been there forever. Been there since 2017. I think they signed him in 2017. 2016, 2017, either one. And he's one of the greatest Bills players of all time. The problem is the contract situation this offseason. The Bills don't have a lot of money this offseason. The contracts are going to go between Trent Edmonds and Jordan Poyer, more than likely. Edmonds is younger than me. Poyer is going to be 33 next season. Edmonds, I think, is going to be 25 next season. Just off a contract thing, I know Poyer's value is insane, but just off age, you would go with Edmonds. You would go with Edmonds. And given how the Bills' defense plays, I understand how important – again, I understand how important Poyer is. I'm not naive to that fact. They need Edmonds in the middle of the defense. You've seen when Edmonds was out for portions this season, that drop off the linebacker spot. Like, 
I would I would sign Edmonds. I love Jordan Poyer. Again, I think he's one of the greatest Bills players of all time. But Jermaine Edmonds is going to get the contract this offseason. Whatever you feel about that, Edmonds is going to get the contract. But this team is freaking scary because they can score with anybody. But, like, this de- the defense did not play great. They played good in the second half. They started eating up in the second half. The first touchdown the Dolphins scored in the second half was Josh Allen fumble. Came in a cover zero blitz, untouched. Jo- drilled Josh Allen. And I think Josh, if he just went down, I think we had a little bit of an issue, but he tried to fight it off, which is what Josh Allen just always does because he's trying to make sure that he always tries to fight for extra yards, which is a detriment at times. And they recovered and scooped and scored for a touchdown. So they scored one touchdown in the second half. They still managed to score 31 points in this game. So I'm I'm a little nervous, but I think they should be fine. I think they can still win. I think I still I do think that they are the best team in the AFC. I know I stuttered there, but I do actually believe that. They're the best team in the AFC. They scored 31 34 points, played bad. Like, I don't know. I think they're fine. I think they're fine. I'm I'm nervous, but I was nervous going into this game. So, yeah, I, the game against the team we'll talk about in a little bit should be interesting. And then we got the Giants-Vikings. A weird game. I guess you could call it a weird game. Uh, Daniel Jones played the freaking game of his life. Daniel Jones had, a part until Dak on Monday night, Daniel Jones played the best game in the playoffs this season. Out of all the players in the playoffs, Daniel Jones had the best game. Daniel Jones was ridiculous in this game. That's the only way I can really explain it. The Vikings offense, though, is so weird. It's so weird. Like, with the Justin Jefferson pass thing, what what was that? What was the game plan behind that beautiful? What was that brainchild? What happened there to go, yep, yeah, this is a, something that we've run all the time? No. Uh, they might have, have they ever run that play? Has he ever thrown a pass in the NFL? I don't want to look at, I want to look at passing numbers for Justin Jefferson. Passing. Okay, he's got two attempts this year for 34 yards. Oh, yeah, he had one. Okay, I forgot about the first one he had, but the second one, uh, not not great. Not great. Went for negative two yards. And you're throwing to Kirk Cousins. So let's, stop, let's not do that. Let's not do that anymore. And then you ran it 15 times with Dalvin. Didn't really get Dalvin involved. 60 touched it. 60 yards for him in the game. Only 10 yards receiving on six catches. Then you had TJ Hawkinson ball out. TJ Hawkins absolutely balled out in this game, and Jefferson was held to 47 yards on nine targets, too. Seven catches for nine targets, 34 yards. 47 yards, sorry. And the thing is, like, the thing that everybody's pointing to in this game is the the last play on fourth down, when the Vikings are trying to drive down the field. I mean, the rough and the passer call. So the Vikings really shouldn't have had an opportunity for that play <laughs> if they did call the BS rough and the passer thing. But... That play to TJ Hawkinson is stupid on a couple fronts. I don't like the throw Kirk Cousins made, first off, because it's fourth and eight. You're throwing it three yards past the line of scrimmage. You got eight yards to go, and you're throwing it to a tight end with a safety right on his back. That's a dumb throw. I don't care if there's coverage in the out. You need to get a first down. There was a dig route that was coming across the middle that was going to be open. You had the running back coming out of the backfield as well. But the problem I have with this, apart from Kirk Cousins checking it down on fourth and eight, going three yards, is that they ran pretty much verts. I don't know why you're trying to hit the home run on one play when you don't need it. You need to get a first down, just keep this game alive, and you're going deep. Why? What is the what is the thought process behind that? 
You have eight yards to go. You don't need to pick up 50 in one play. Would it be nice? Sure. But make sure you get the first down first. If it was third down, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I would have no issue with it. It's fourth down. The game is on the line. What What is the play call there? Why was that the play call? It was two verts on the outside in a dig route. And then an out route to the tight end and then the running back squeaking out of the backfield. Now, the Giants did a good job of covering the dig route by having a safety in the middle of the field or a linebacker in the middle of the field as a spy. So that probably scared Kirk Cousins off it, but he could make the throw. The, safe, the linebacker's like 10 yards above the receiver, or like in front of the receiver. He had the route. The play was there. But why is that the call? Get to the line. <laughs> Run hitch routes. You don't need to pick it up 50 yards in one play. That's my big issue with it. Do I think Kirk was wrong in checking it down on th- fourth and eight with a tight end with a safety on his back? Yes. I think it was a dumb play. But I think the play call was even dumber. So why, why are we even running that play? Not a single play was to the line. It was either 10 yards past the, line, the first down marker or five yards below the first down marker. So I don't know what the play – What I don't know. I, it frustrated me. It frustrated me. I'm not even a Vikings fan. Not even a Vikings fan. But was I happy the Giants won? I was fine with it. I, like, in all these playoff matchups, I wouldn't have cared. It doesn't hurt my feelings whoever won these games. Whether it was Giants or Vikings, don't care. I was cheering more for the Giants because they got Brian Dable, Bills off to coordinator. And again, if Brian Dable, I've said this before, if Brian Dable is a Bills off to coordinator this year, they'd be undefeated. They'd be undefeated right now if Brian Dable is a Bills off to coordinator. I have no doubt in my mind about that. And this is why. You see what he's doing with freaking Daniel Jones. <laughs> The Bills would be freaking undefeated and steamrolling every freaking team. It would be great show of turf, great show on turf category offense here. But again, I think Daniel Jones played awesome. Isaiah Hodgins, former Bills wide receiver, who they cut midway through the season in favor of keeping Jake Kumaro, uh, went for 105 yards and a touchdown in this game. Played really good in this game. Really, really good. Soft coverage in the secondary as well. Uh, a lot of people do not like Ed Donatel, the defense coordinator of the Vikings. A lot of people calling for his head. The Vikings defense just stinks. The Vikings defense stinks. Their secondary is old as hell. And not very talented. And for the people they drafted this year, they're hurt. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a weird, sticky situation for the Minnesota Vikings where we don't really know what they're going to look like. Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen both on IR. So you're stuck with Cameron Dantzler and 80-year-old Patrick Peterson. Who, apart from talking about Kyler Murray, which was a weird-ass thing to do, and picking off Josh Allen, I don't know what else he's done this year, really. I think Patrick Peterson is one of the greatest corners of his generation, but, man, he's not had a fantastic, fantastic season. But that's – I don't know. They need to make serious improvements on that defense because this offense is too good to waste. I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is the truth or anything. Kirk Cousins is not the reason they lost this game, though. He is a reason, but he's not the reason. Because every player on this team is a reason why they lost this game. He's not the reason, which a lot of people are going to point to. Now, I don't think he played, like, amazing, like, 31 to 39. That's impressive, but the Vikings weren't really running a lot of, like, at, weirdly, they didn't run a lot of deep routes until the last play they had because <laughs> a lot of their stuff was short yards play. They had 273 yards kept receiving or passing in this game. T.J. Hawkinson, again, 129 of those yards with two touchdowns who um, were K.J. Osborne and Irv Smith Jr. with the touchdowns of those games. If you had that on your bingo card, I'd be surprised, but – Especially Irv. I kind of forgot he was even on the team. <laughs> wearing the 80 number. Why are you wearing Randy Moss' number, man? Ridiculous. And then the final game of Sunday night was Ravens-Bengals. This game was just weird again because 
I didn't think the Ravens had an answer in hell. It was kind of started off the similar way the Bills-Dolphins game did, where the team that was expected to win got up early. Bills got up 14-0 on Miami. The Bengals got up 8 to 9-3 to on the Ravens because Evan McPherson missed an extra point. So 9-3. to And then the Ravens come back, and they're tied the game at halftime 10-10. And, like, Tyler Huntley is playing pretty decently. He's playing decently. He's got two touchdowns. He had two touchdowns in the game, had 54 yards rushing. But the thing that everybody will talk about with um, Tyler Huntley, most of all, and just the Ravens offense in general, which is a Greg Roman thing. Again, there's a lot of former Bills offensive coordinators in the NFL still coaching offense, and I don't understand why. Like, I don't know if you look at the drought-ridden Bills and go like Nathaniel Hackett and Greg Roman are your answers because they were both coordinators during the drought years. I don't know why you look at the drought team Bills and go, yeah, I want to take an offensive coordinator from that team and make them a spear point in this offense. Because why Tyler Huntley, a six foot nothing quarterback, okay, six one one eighty six, bullshit. He's not. He's six foot one, but uh, why he's diving in makes no sense to me. I don't know if that because there's the thing here. Because you look at the Jaguars Chargers game, Trevor Lawrence dove into the end zone. I don't think that was the call. I think Trevor Lawrence just did that because you look at they were setting up a route to the outside with Evan Ingram, two safe, the two receivers blocking. Evan Ingram was going to come in on the inside. It's kind of like that um, uh, Edelman or Amendola catch against the Falcons in the Super Bowl, like you where they're at the one year they went for two on the play I think, and, but that was kind of similar to that where Trevor Lawrence saw a hole in the off the defense line and just jumped over. But he's six foot six. Tyler Huntley is six foot nothing. I don't know if that was the design play call or he did that himself, but either way it's stupid, especially when you got I don't know. Uh, 212 pound running back in J.K. Dobbins, and then you've also got a 238 pound running back in Gus Edwards. So I I don't understand the play call and going under center as well. Ravens do not go under center. <laughs> if they do, it's rare. But why that was the play call or why Huntley did that, I have no idea because he got the ball punched out, trying to leap over the line of scrimmage for the two yard line, gets it punched out, and then Sam Hubbard houses it 98 yards for a touchdown. Like people made fun of the Bills. The Bengals should not have any issues in this game either. The Ravens' offense has done literally nothing for the past however many weeks since Lamar Jackson's been hurt. And people on Twitter were talking about, on analysts were talking about, put a brace on Lamar's knee. Well, isn't that the reason RG3 is currently an analyst? Because the the Washington Commanders put a brace on his knee and told him to go out there against the Seahawks, I think it was the Seahawks, when they should have taken his helmet away and not had him play that game because it destroyed his career and destroyed his knee. Like, the Ravens after the game, J.K. Dobbins is like, we would have won, won if we had Lamar Jackson. After watching the game, yeah, probably would have won the game if you had Lamar Jackson. But you didn't. You didn't have Lamar Jackson. You got a game plan like you don't have Lamar Jackson, which is what the Ravens refuse to do. Tyler Huntley can do some things similar to Lamar Jackson. The problem is, he's not Lamar Jackson. If you want to talk about, oh, this offense is run as equal as, as it is with Lamar Jackson, no, Tyler Huntley is nowhere near Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson's going to get paid this offseason. Whether it's in Baltimore or whether it's somewhere else, Lamar Jackson's going to get freaking paid this offseason. Rightly so. He's two, second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. Him, him and Josh Allen are similar in the aspect of their teams to say, hey, go do something. And we'll live and die by that. Just go do something. Go save our asses. Tyler Huntley cannot do that. Tyler Huntley's mobile, but that's about it. And Tyler Huntley wasn't, we weren't even sure Tyler Huntley was going to play before the game started. They said they were going to go with two quarterbacks this with Anthony Brown and Tyler Huntley. And people are talking about the Bills almost losing to Skylar Thompson. Ravens didn't even have a starting quarterback going into this game. At night in Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati at night is supposed to be a scary place. You beat them more last week. Now you're in the playoffs, you eat your way through. No one played really well in the Bengals. I mean, Jamar Chase at 84 yards, but that was about it. Like Joe Burrow didn't play amazing in this game. Joe Mixon didn't do really anything in this game. Defenses both played well in this game, which I was kind of surprised about because the Ravens' secondary is not very good. So I was kind of surprised about that. But, yeah, weird game, weird game. And, uh, yeah, the Bengals and Bills should be a really, really fun game. And now, we've got three. So the AFC for the playoffs is always is really interesting because you got Lawrence, Burrow, Allen, Mahomes. All four of them are top ten picks. And then you got the freaking NFC side. So we got Cowboys winning last night. Dak was a fourth rounder. Daniel Jones was a sixth overall pick. Purdy was a seventh rounder. And then uh, who am I missing? Jalen Hurts was a second rounder. So we've got a bunch of smorgasbord of NFC quarterbacks. And we got all top 10 picks in the AFC. All top 10 picks in the AFC. But uh, the Cowboys and Bucks game, I was at Zach's apartment last night. And good Lord. Uh, the best way I can say this is that he was on another planet last night. They live in an apartment like I do. And I am if they didn't know the person that lived beneath them, there ain't no way. They might have gotten a noise complaint. They might have ended up getting a noise complaint. But Zach was on a freaking different planet last night. Like I have not seen him that sick, wink, in a while. Like he he was under the influence heavily before I got there. So I was eating dinner with my parents, my grandparents, my aunt and uncle, and we I went drove from Johnston to Altoona. I get a call from Zach. He calls me twice. I missed the first call. He calls me the second time. And he goes, Look, where are you at? And I said, Zach, it's uh I'm I'm running a little bit behind, but I was at dinner with my grandparents. It's my it's my papa's birthday. I'm heading there now. Okay. Do you know who else's birthday it is? I said, who's el- who else's birthday is it? Well, I was trying to, like, am I forgetting someone? Is it someone that's going to be there? Is it one of their birthdays today? No, I don't think so. It's the Dallas Cowboys' birthday. Woo! I was like, okay, I don't. This is going to, I'm going to be in for a treat. I'm going to be in for a, an absolute treat. And Zach told me on the call, Lloyd, I need to come downstairs to get you. Because their building, they have, like, uh, you can go in the door like, the main front door, but you have to have someone come in. Like, there's another door behind a door, and you have to get someone from the apartment to open that up, or you just get lucky and have someone come out at the same time you're trying to go in. He's like, Logan, do I need to come out of stairs to get you? I said, no, I'm not there yet. I'm, about, I'm probably about five minutes away. Be there around 7.20. I got there a little bit after 7.15, so my time was pretty good. Okay, well, just let me just let me know when you're here. Just let me know when you're here. Okay, I get there. I let him know I'm here. Uh, Zach doesn't come downstairs. And I get upstairs, because I, I was, again, like I said before, I was going in the same time someone was leaving. I go upstairs to the fourth floor, and I get there, and Zach has got on a Dallas Cowboys hard hat. Like, not, a, not an official hard hat. My dad has had, because he got it confiscated at the, the Bills-Chiefs game last year, because they classified it as a weapon, so they couldn't let him bring it into the game. It was not an official hard hat. And that thing was greasy as hell. I'd touch that thing every once in a while when he'd slam it off the ground. It's like, okay, I don't. Wipe your hand, wipe my hand on my pants or something. Like, oh, God, that's disgusting. But I walk in and I'm greeted with that. And he's not wearing socks. So he's got like these gray sweatpants on with his cowboy shirt on with his gray hard hat on. And he's walking around 
like, <laughs> just, you ever picture like a, a baby taking its first steps with his hands all to his sides like that and waddling really weird? That's what Zach looked like about 99% of the time during the game. And every time they'd score, he'd throw his hard hat off the floor and would scream at the TV. And my other friend, Justin, so Justin and his fiance were there, Zach and his fiance were there. And we're sitting there, and Justin's wearing a uh, Micah Parsons jersey. And <laughs> Zach is, I, I don't know if I want to play any. I took a couple of videos last night because I was laughing my ass off. But I don't, I don't know how many of these I can play because I don't really remember what all he said. But he was freaking out. Like, he just looked. <laughs> I, I, it was just a he – was, he was having a good time. He was having a good time. And for my own safety, I did not consume any alcoholic beverages that night. <laughs> I just had water. I, brought, I got a Sprite. <laughs> I, got, I brought a Sprite from a, a Fast and Fresh in Johnston. But that was all I had apart from water because I was just so entertained. And Lexi, Zach's fiance, was sitting there, like, and it was funny because Lexi was kind of trying to figure out which, uh, what do you call it, how strict to be with Zach. Because, again, this was like a toddler. It's like you can let it happen or you get upset and instead them not do anything. So she went down the route of let's just record him. She was mad at first, and rightfully so, because he's trying to get some work done because he's a teacher down at Indianola. So she was trying to get some stuff done for that. She's printing out a bunch of stuff. And Zach's being <laughs> a, a grown man, a toddler in a grown man's body. He's almost 20, 25 going on 26 years old. And be loud as hell, slamming his hard hat off the ground, uh, throwing pizza pockets, uh, slamming down on the couch and smacking his head off the, <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> and she just went down the route of recording, which I, I think is funnier. But there were moments where she'd get upset. And right, again, rightfully so, he's being loud as hell. This is an apartment on a Monday night. On a Monday, this ain't a Friday. This ain't a Saturday. It's a Monday night. I understand the playoffs, but Monday night football is is one of the most entertaining games I've ever watched in my entire life. But once the game got on, I had to progressively go off of because I was trying to have some fun with him and go like, "Oh, I'm going for Tampa." I couldn't do that once I got there. Like he sent me a picture of a of some drinks. He was like, "The calm before the storm" is what he sent me. And I just sent him, because I was, again, I was at dinner, so I couldn't really send anything back. So I took a picture of me with uh, the pirate filter on, or a pilot, pirate filter on. And then uh, I couldn't do anything after that. That was about as far as I went with, I'm cheering for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because I thought it would have been funny to see the Buccaneers win, but the Cowboys just utterly dominated them. But it was funny enough to watch Zach and then watch Brett Maher miss four extra points in the game. Miss four of them. And, uh... I think he, he missed one against Washington, too. So it's five straight extra points he missed or something like that, which is pretty impressive. You know, that's pretty impressive. And I understand that there is a difference between kicking on grass and kicking on turf. I understand there's a difference. There's not that much of a difference. Like, there is a difference, but it's not that much where you can't readjust and come out and make the next kick you make, not go on and miss four in a row, and then make finally one. So go one for five in the day. But it was just... It was weird. It was weird. So this should have been a 35-14 to 14 game. So we really should be talking about the Bills being the second highest scoring team of the weekend. But, uh, no, Brett Maher couldn't make any ki- kicks. And Dak Prescott was frustrated. Zach Prescott said, "Quit. Uh, let's go for F and 2 or something like that. Which, can't blame him. Can't blame him. When you're dominating a game like that, you're 
you don't really need to go for two. Like the Bucks stood no chance in this game. Like from this the word go, the Bucks def or the Cowboys defense just shut everything they tried to do down. And the Bucks fired uh Brian Leftwich. Byron Leftwich today. And it's just like this team is just Wow. And the Bucks, we knew, we said going into the playoffs, they're not good. They're probably the worst team going into the playoffs. The only thing that kept anybody like they have a chance is number 12. That was it. They had Tom Brady. Like, and you, it doesn't matter how many points you're up, it's Tom Brady. Doesn't matter how old he is or how bad he's been at times this year. Like, it's Tom Brady. He's going to try and come back. He's going to start some comeback or something. They're going to come back and win. And uh, it just never happened. Dak was on one the entire freaking time. Dalton Schultz played really well. CeeDee Lamb, for how much he was covered early on, got some openings in the second half, played really well. Uh, Michael Gallup made some big catches in the game. Like, it was just a dominating game. Absolutely dominating game. And the question now remains, where's Tom Brady going to go next year? Like, after that game, like, and I know the jokes are out there. It's like, you ended your marriage for this. I understand that, and it is kind of uh, amusing, but... <laughs> You have to kind of continue going if you're Tom Brady. You end your you cannot end your career with that and end your marriage at the same breath. You should have stepped down last year where you led the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns and went out against the team that eventually won the Super Bowl. Now, they could do that this year. The Cowboys could technically win the Super Bowl, but Tampa was just so bad. It was so bad. Like, this game was never close. Never close. And there was some fear inkling in Zach when he, Brett Maher kept missing extra points. You're playing Tom Brady. You're only up 18-0 at halftime. He's coming at bigger leads than that in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, but again, Dak looked really good, and the Cowboys defense just smothered everything the Bucs did. But I think Brady's just going to go to Vegas. Like, there's going to be links with, like, San Francisco, like them trading Trey Lance, keeping Brock Purdy, and then having Brady get there and, like, mentor Purdy or something like that. Or going to Miami with all the situations going down on there. Apparently, they're making some adjustments to the coaching staff down there in regards to the defensive side of things. So, we'll see what happens. But my gut is saying Brady goes to Vegas. And then I saw something today about Rodgers. Uh, he was on Pat McAfee's show for Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. And he said something like, if they're going to a rebuild, I don't want to be a part of it. And that's fair. Like, people are going to get really upset about that. But Aaron Rodgers is damn near 40 years old. I know he signed a contract this offseason, but dude's not going in for a reload. And he's not going in to try and reload this team. He's... 40, he's going on 40 years old. I don't know, he's 38, 39, 40 years old, whatever. He's not going to be part of a rebuild project. And he's not going to do that. Aaron Rodgers is trying to win Super Bowl. The Packers, for how legendary their franchise is, the fact you only got two Super Bowls out of Rodgers and Favre is dis, dis, disgraceful. That's the best way I could put that. Like, it's insane. You have two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you get two Super Bowls out of that. In 30 years. It's not even like it was like back-to-back. No, 30 years, two Super Bowls. And if I'm Rodgers, again, I don't bat. I, I, if they're going to rebuild, I want out. I'm too old for this. I want to rebuild. You're going to rebuild. you got to restart with everything, especially the quarterback position. I, I'd give Jordan Love a chance. I like Jordan Love. I liked him coming out of college. We thought he would go to the Saints. He ended up going to the Packers. I mean, the Saints would like to have a quarterback like Jordan Love right now. I would go with Love. If Rodgers doesn't want to come back, and again, I don't blame him for not wanting to, you go with Love. And then Rodgers is probably more likely to go to San Francisco than anybody. If we had to take bets, if he, Rodgers went anywhere, I'd better be to San Francisco. But I don't know. 
it's it's getting weird because the 49ers are in that weird spot where they're already going to have to make some tough decisions in regards to Purdy and Lance. Now you add in a Hall of Famer and, and uh, Brady or Rodgers, you're going to have some competition this offseason, Purdy, or Lance, whoever they decide to go with. But I think we're we're teetering on the the Purdy line right now. I think we're teetering on the Purdy line. I think Lance should get a shot to win his job back because Lance is more talented than Brock Purdy. Just on natural talent. I'm not saying that doesn't mean, again, I talked about this before. Being more talented does not mean you're better. So Purdy may very well be a better quarterback, but Lance is more talented. We know this. We know this. You watch him in college. Lance is more talented. Lance has got more tools in his toolbox than Brock Purdy does. But Purdy is playing really, really well. And this is going to be a blood so Brady situation because the Patriots, we've talked about this before, Patriots made Drew Bloods for the first $100 million player in NFL history, if I'm remembering correctly. And then Brady comes in when Bloods gets hurt, when Super Bowl Bloods gets traded to Buffalo. Like, Lance gets hurt, Purdy comes in and wins the Super Bowl, already won his first playoff game, comes in next week, beats the Cowboys. I don't know. We're going to have some serious conversations here. This is why we don't get paid like that. It's why they get paid the money they do because they got to make these tough decisions against these multi-million dollar organizations to decide who leads their franchise moving forward. And it's going to be hard because you look how good Purdy's been playing this year. It's hard not to say that he's not the guy moving forward. Dude just threw 332 yards in his first playoff game. He had four total touchdowns and no turnovers in his first playoff game. And this is one of those situations where, like, I think we – for how awesome it is to see Purdy balling out, I think we're all aware that McCaffrey, Kittle, Samuel, Ayuk, like you don't need to be the superhero, which I, which is good for Purdy because at Iowa State he had to be the superhero every single time. He had to try and do something to save the game. He didn't need to do that in San Francisco. do not need to do that at all. He can ride on with, CM, with Samuel, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle. Like, he can do all that. You can be perfectly fine and win. And you're going to win. Big time. Look at freaking Stetson Bennett. <laughs> Stetson Bennett is not the reason that Georgia's dominant, as dominant as they are. But he's a part of it. And he's the quarterback. So he's going to get a lot of the plaudits. He's going to probably have a statue outside of whatever the hell their stadium's called. So <laughs> it's, it's all fun and games. But uh, next round of the playoffs, divisional round, you got Jaguars-Chiefs rematch from earlier this year. And the Giants and Eagles in that last game of the Jaguars and Giants or Jaguars-Chiefs, it was 27-17 was the final in that game. And then in the, on Sunday's games, you got Bills-Bengals at 2, which is a weird-ass time, and the Cowboys and 49ers at 5.30. So, yeah, we got some fun ones. We got some fun ones. And I'm going to do a full breakdown. The Bills are five-point favorites right now. And uh, we're going to do a full breakdown on Friday of those games. But I want to do a clear uh, – I say quick. I want to do a recap of Wild Card Weekend. Super Wild Card Weekend, I guess I should say, because there were some fun games. All these games were fun. There was not, like – any real boring games, because sometimes you'll get those in wildcard weekend. I mean, the Chargers-Jaguars game had potential to be boring, but even then, four interceptions, one half. Again, that's Peterman level. So you needed to see that. But Lawrence, I was really, I really liked watching Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that, that, I mean, everybody knew he was really good, but that, uh, that mindset of not being wavered by that is really big. Being not wavered by four interceptions is very, very big. It's sometimes hard to do. Some quarterbacks can't, ra- can't rally from that. So, yeah, and speaking of the quarterback position and Trevor Lawrence being the number one overall pick in the draft, the number one overall pick in this year's draft is going to be highly discussed. 
Highly discussed. And right now, I don't know if there's betting odds. The Logan Blackman show favorite to be the number one pick in the draft in regards to the team is the Colts. That's the odds-on favorite according to the Logan Blackman show's betting uh, outlet. So I would bet on the Colts being the number one overall pick, but the problem is, who is it going to be? Everyone's got Bryce Young, and then the question was whether C.J. Stroud was going to come out. Because there were some reports that C.J. Stroud was not going to come back, or he was not going to go declare for the NFL draft. He took it to the last day to declare for the NFL draft. The last day. And C.J. Stroud, again, is a top two, top three quarterback in this freaking draft. So the fact that he's thinking about staying back, oh, man, that price of the number one overall pick for the Bears shot up tremendously because you take the possibilities for number one quarterbacks in the draft to go from three to two. Teams are going to be trained left, right, and center to get that number one overall pick to get the quarterback they want. So, uh, yeah, it, it would have been crazy. But the thing with Stroud... The, the number one thing, because this is the fun thing people like to do now. Money's ruining college football. Stroud's always stay back for the NIL deal. No, I don't think that was it. I don't think that was it. I, if I was at Ohio State, I wouldn't really want to definitely think about leaving too. Because the team you're going to get drafted by, more than likely, is not going to have the same receivers you had at Ohio State. You look at the top three teams that are going to take a quarterback this year's draft. Colts, Texans, and Panthers. All the receivers at Ohio State are better than the receivers you have at those three teams. All three of them. You can make an argument. Like, I think DJ Moore is a, a free agent anyway, so that's why I'm basically saying that. And Michael Pittman, he's not better than Marvin Harrison Jr. So, you got to think about it. You got to think about it. And there's some also thing that's popped up that said uh, Stroud's a- Stroud shares an agent with Deshaun Watson. So, it was one of those things where people were like, oh, he doesn't want to go to the draft because he doesn't want to get drafted by Houston. His agent's like, nah, 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 nah. We're not going to go to the draft. We're not going to do that this year. We're going we're gonna to stay back. We're going to stay back and wait till next year. But even then, chance of you going to Houston then, because Houston's probably not going to be that great next year. Like, you got to really think about these things. Now that money's involved, legally, and <laughs> you can you can actually have these discussions with your family. You go like, man, I do not want to play for Houston. I do not want to play for Carolina. Indianapolis seems like a fun place. But again, I've said this before. I don't really think C.J. Stroud is in the running for the number one overall pick in the draft. I've said that quite a bit. I talked about a few weeks ago about how I like the idea of Stroud going to Indy, but I don't think Stroud is the number one draft pick. I don't think he is. I think, like, if I'm going with my gut in this, and I've talked about this before, he's the third. he'll go third out of the quarterbacks. He'll go third. And you look at the Indianapolis Colts, who, again, I've talked about being the favorites to draft number one, the draft first overall. And Dane Berger, uh, Burglar, sorry, uh, from The Athletic, he made a mock draft today, posted a mock draft today. And he had Bryce Young going one to Indianapolis, Will Levis going two to Houston. I think those are your top two guys for teams getting drafted. That's not saying that's what my order is, but that's what I think the top two guys will be in the draft. Because I think they're more athletically gifted and have more arm talent than Stroud does. I don't think, I'm not going to bash Stroud in regards to he doesn't have an arm. Because he does, he has two of them. But he doesn't have arm strength. He does. It's just not as much as these two. And you look at, again, the way the NFL is going, that's the direction Pete's are going to want to look at. That's just why you see Levis getting dra- talked about getting drafted so high, Anthony Richardson getting drafted talk- talking so high, even though their numbers were nowhere close to what Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud did this year. Let alone this year, in their careers. Nowhere close. Nowhere close. So people are going to want to look at numbers and go, like, why are these two getting talked about as being high draft picks? What's their traits? Their traits. And you look at the situations they were in compared to what Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud were in in regards to Levis and Richardson. They weren't in comparable situations. They've got all the tools. 
So people are going to look at toolsy people. And you look at the Indianapolis Colts. The last quarterback they drafted in the first round was Andrew Luck. Who resembles Andrew Luck the most in this draft class? I'm not saying that that's going to nail on. That's who why they're going to draft Will Levis. But that's the kind of thing they want. I have a hard time picturing Chris Ballard or Jim Ursay trading up to the number one overall pick and taking Stroud or, or Young, mostly Young, because again, I don't think Stroud's the number one overall pick, but Young. Young's five foot 170, 175 pounds. That's, what he, that's not what he's listed, but that's what I'd be willing to bet that's what he is. Levis and Andrew Luck are very similar-ish body sizes and very similar traits as well. So if you look at traits and size, like Levis, I think Levis is the favorite to go number one overall. Again, that's not official. I think the favorite, based on just talent, is Bryce Young and should be Bryce Young. But I think the favorite to go number one overall, according to Logan Blackman Show Media, is Will Levis just because of traits. And you look at the team that's going to trade up for him and what they view quarterbacks. I think that's what's going to happen. And we talked about this earlier, but we're going to talk about Anthony Richardson. Because Anthony Richardson is, um, I think, a more polarizing prospect. I think he's the most polarizing prospect. And people want to compare Will Levis to Josh Allen. Anthony Richardson's Josh Allen. Anthony Richardson's Josh Allen. Like, you look at the talent is there. It's just his mechanic. Like, there's times he just, I don't know how to really explain it. It's just like, you see something happen, you go, I don't know how the hell he did that. I don't know how he did that. In regards to some of the throws he makes, but he can say the same thing on some of the throws he makes in the bad way as well. Like, watch his Western Kentucky, or Eastern Washington game. Watch his Eastern Washington game. Watch some of the throws he made throughout that game. It's stupid. Again, stupid, stupid. Like, good. Like, ridiculous. I don't know how he makes these throws. So, again, I think with Richardson, you have a potential of him going number one overall. I think there's a potential there. I'm not saying it's nailed on or there's a high chance it happens, but off traits, I could see a reality where he goes first overall. I'm not saying a team like the Colts would draft first overall, but I think like the Texans could take Anthony Richardson at number two. I don't, I don't, I hope people wouldn't be really surprised by that by the time April rolls around. Right now, I understand why you would think that's a little crazy, but Richardson really, that dude's talented. That dude's insanely talented. I've watched every quarterback in this draft class this year. Hell, I did quarterback rankings every week, and I had to go back and watch every single game from the big-type quarterbacks in this year's draft. Richardson had the most jaw-dropping tape out of all of them. And the problem is, it was jaw-dropping in multiple ways. And the pro- the other problem is, I don't know who's going to take him. I don't know where he's going to go. Because, again, there's three teams I think will dr- guarantee draft a quarterback. And that is the Colts, Texans, and Panthers. Those three, guaranteed. And then I think there's teams like the Raiders, the Commanders, the uh, Buccaneers, the Lions, later pick, Seahawks, later pick, that could take a quarterback. So, I don't know. Dane Burgler had Anthony Richardson going to the Detroit Lions today in his mock draft because they traded up for a big boomer bust prospect last year with Jamison Williams. They could do it again this year with Richardson. And Richardson and Williams would be a very, very fun duo, especially with how the offense works in Detroit, with how they run the ball. He would be really fun to see in Detroit. He'd be really fun. But I'm not confident in saying that. I don't know who the other team will take a quarterback is because Anthony Richardson is going to get drafted in the first round. I just don't know who that is. 
the commanders are going around telling offensive coordinator candidates or head coach candidates or whatever that Sam Howell is going to be the starting quarterback this year. Do I believe that 100%? Not really. Do I think he deserves a shot? Yes, because I think Sam Howell got screwed getting drafted fifth round. Sam Howell is better than the fifth round draft pick. And then, like, the Raiders, would they draft Anthony Richardson? Like, Josh McDaniels took Tim Tebow in Denver. Would he take someone like Richardson in, De- in Vegas? But I think he'd want a more pocket pass, like a C.J. Stroud or something like that. I think if I had to, like, like quarterbacks that I like saying they're going here, but I don't know how confident I'd say, yeah, they're gonna. that's going to happen, is Levis to Indy, Young to Houston, Stroud to Vegas, and Richardson to Carolina. That's I like the sound of that, but I don't know how that how realistic that is. Because if you let's say hypothetically the Raiders go after Brady, Brady's forty five years old. You're gonna have to have some sort of contingency plan in place so when he does eventually leave. Now you can save that for next year. You can save it for however many years you think he's gonna stay in the league. But having Stroud learn under Tom Brady wouldn't be the worst thing ever. Wouldn't be the worst thing of all time. But Richardson, I, it's just going to be a boomer bust. Like, not boomer bust thing, but, like, I don't know where he's going to go. I, I could see him going first overall. I could see him going 32nd. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's talented enough to possibly be in that first round, first pick conversation. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I, I my order, though, for how I think they'll get drafted is Levis, Young, Stroud, Richardson, if I had to bet money on it right now. They're obviously subject to change because they would get closer to the draft, but that's how I see. That's how I see it now, and you can hate that, you can absolutely despise that, but it'd be interesting to see how uh, how things would have changed, switched out if Stroud didn't declare. But very interesting, be very interesting, and I just just got tweeted quarterback draft class by age: Bryce Young twenty one, Stroud twenty one, Richardson twenty one, Duggan twenty one, McKee twenty two, Levis twenty three, Hall twenty four, O'Connell twenty four, Hooker twenty five, Bennett twenty five. Like, Richardson, with that much talent, that size, at 21, you can do a lot of molding there. It's like putty in your hands if you're an offensive genius. I'm excited to see where he goes. He's the he's the most – out of all the quarterbacks, I'm the most excited to see where he goes. And then, like, with this offseason as well, different offseason acquisitions. Like, Brady, we talked about Brady. We talked about Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Will he come back to Baltimore this offseason? The betting favorite right now – I know we joked about this with the Logan Blackman show betting odds. The betting favorite is the New England Patriots, with the New York Jets being number two, followed by the Falcons, Raiders, and Bucks. That rounds up the top five. I have said this for years. Lamar, stay away from the Jets. Because that's the team I think he's, if we're talking about, I don't, the Patriots, sure. I, I just have a hard time picturing that one. But the Jets, I think, are a very likely outcome. The Falcons could be interesting, because getting with Kyle Pitts would be really fun to see. I actually before that. My uncle's a Falcons fan, so I wouldn't really hate that decision of him going to Atlanta. But the Jets are the team I don't want him to go to. Don't want him to go to the Jets because I don't want him in the division. I don't want him in the division at all. I'm perfectly content with the quarterbacks that are in the division now. The prediction I made for the Jets this offseason is Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's the I think that's the direction they're going to go. Just so I can avoid having Lamar Jackson go to the Jersey. Go to Jersey. I don't need that for my soul. Don't need that. So, like, if I had the big-name quarterbacks this offseason, my predictions are Brady to Vegas, Carr to Washington, uh, Lamar, I mean, but where's – if oh, this is if not Ravens. I think he's just staying in Baltimore. If I'm the Ravens, I try to re-sign him as much as possible. 
Now, if the Ravens don't resign Lamar, Anthony Richardson would be insane to get him. That would be very fun to see. But I, I would just say he stays in Baltimore. If not, I think he goes to the Jets. Or not. No, nah, I don't want to say the Jets. I don't want him to go to the Jets. Let's stay in Baltimore. Garoppolo to the Jets. Rodgers. I could see him going to San Fran. I could see him going to San Francisco. But I don't know what else. I don't I don't know. Rodgers is under contract, so you're going to need to get traded. Which is going to be interesting. I think that's pretty much all I've got for you, though, today. I think that's all I've got for you. I'm trying to look around see if i got anything else for you. Oh, th this thing. We just talked about Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson and Malik Wills are not similar at all. Yes, that's 100% true. I've seen it a little bit on the timeline. Stop making that comparison. It's not the same thing. Malik Willis was 23 years old with a severe field, field vision issues and played against inferior competition. Malik Willis, we talked about last year, in regards to his natural talent, was up there with one of the best in the draft last year. Off ceiling. But he's not very big. He's a freaking tank, but he's not very tall. He's got an insane arm talent. He's fast, but he had trouble seeing the field at times and played at Liberty. So there was obviously dis difference there. Very raw coming in. Richardson's 21 years old that sees the field well but is mechanically inconsistent. They are not the same. Richardson's also 6'4", 230, 240 pounds. They're not the same. Again, Anthony Richardson's Josh Allen. If I had to make a comparison for Anthony Richardson's Josh Allen, I'd say like Andrew Luck is uh, Will Levis's comparison. Young, who would be CJ or Brace Young's comparison? Uh, I mean, when he was coming out of high school, it was Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. That's what they said. Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson on steroids is what they called Kyler, called the Bryce Young. But he's smaller in both of them. And then C.J. Stroud, if I had to make a comparison for Stroud. He is kind of like Derek Carr, actually. He's kind of like Derek Carr, if I had to make a somewhat comparison. Because Derek Carr's not immobile. He doesn't He doesn't run that often, but he can move. He doesn't have an insane arm, but he can hit the deep ball. Stroud can hit the deep ball. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. He sees the field particularly well. He's pretty accurate, or he's very accurate. He's the most accurate quarterback in this draft class. Yeah, I'd say probably Carr. So Young is like Murray and Wilson, and uh, just because of size. I think Young's a little bit more athletic than Wilson. He's like in the middle of them athletically, but he has insane arm strength, so he's somewhere around there. That Mostly that comes down to size. He's very quick. He's got a very um, – throws everything on a freaking line, which is going to have to get solved in the NFL. And then Stroud, Carr, somewhere around Derek Carr, someone like that. Will Levis, Andrew Luck. Not necessarily in regards to un, uh, um, what do you call it? A prospect you can't pass up on. A part not that, but just on like skill, like talent, like what you see. Like they got very similar ish skill sets. And then Andrew Richardson's Josh Allen. That'd be my comparisons for those guys. And then with that, I think that's all I'm gonna do for you today. I've kept you here long enough. Might as well just end it here. So we got about we got some good stuff today. Uh, I enjoyed today's show. Loved recapping Super Wild Card Weekend. Talk about the draft a little bit more because that's going to obviously heat up here in a little bit as well as the season progresses. Because we're only slowly getting the 100% confirmed draft order. We'll have the full uh, divisional round preview coming up for you on Friday. And with that, I will see you all later. Hope I didn't piss on, miss on anything. If I did, uh, I apologize for that. We'll try to talk about it on Friday. Peace.